horn full. And our, we take that from 1 Samuel chapter 16 and, and verse 1. And we'll get into this in a little bit. He said, uh, oh, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long, how long will you mourn over Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. How many know God always provides? And he he said, I provided for myself. (laughs) I didn't provide it for Jesse. I, I provided for myself a king. Oh, bless his holy name. Amen. So, so I don't know if you know the backstory. We'll get into the backstory here in just a minute. But uh, God has, has taken the kingdom away from Saul because he disobeyed the Lord. And he says, I'm going, you know, I'm going to anoint. He doesn't say who it is. Isn't it interesting that God doesn't tell you the whole thing? He doesn't say, you know, Je- Jesse has a son, David. He'll be on the back 40. Go find him. No, he just says, go to Jesse's house. And, uh, you know, one step at a time, isn't that aggravating? But God says, one step at a time, I'll reveal it to you, and we know the rest of the story. But he says, he says what I want you to do is fill your horn with oil. He said, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? I think sometimes God asks us the same question. When are you going to get over yourself? Sometimes you just got to let it go and move on. And Saul, you know, and Samuel's just crying, oh, Saul's the king, and Saul disobeyed God. And, oh, and, and God just says, shape up. Get over it. Move on. How long are you going to just sit there and whine and cry? Am I talking to anybody? You won't admit it. How, how long are you just going to dwell in the past? How long are you going to let all the problems and issues uh, uh, determine your present and even determine your future? It's, it's sometimes you got to turn your back on the past and find out what God wants you to do and just get in there and do it. Amen. Glory to God. So how long are you going to, you know, uh, spill? Uh, what's that? What someone says? Uh, the, the best the best way to get over spilled milk is is to milk the cow. So let's let's look at the back back backdrop of this uh, first first Samuel chapter fifteen. Uh, let's go back a chapter, and it says uh, and Saul attacked uh, the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. Uh, as God c- commanded him, he took Agag, their king of the uh, Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. You know, I don't mind giving to God, but I like to keep the good stuff. Oh, you're going to leave me there. Okay. And were unwilling to utterly destroy them because Samuel said, get rid of all of it. All of it. It's got to go. Because if you leave a little bit of it, it'll come back to haunt you. Come on, you got to deal with all the sin in your life. You can't just deal with the big ones because the little ones will get you. And sometimes we just deal with the little ones, and those big ones really will get you. 
foxes, amen, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything, but everything despised and worthless that got rid of. I don't need that three bucks. Let me throw that in the offering. Oh, Jesus. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me. He's not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night long. Then Samuel went went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel says, But what's this bad, bad I keep hearing? I thought you said you destroyed. Not only did he not do it, he lied about it. Oh, yeah, I got rid of everything except the good stuff. What's this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? And what's this I keep keep hearing? I get a Holy Ghost picture of this. Don't you get a Holy Ghost picture? There's Samuel and Saul, and they're in the tent. You know, they're talking. Saul's all full of himself. Yeah, I took care of all those sheep. (laughs) What was that? I don't know what that is. Well, well, I'm glad you're. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a couple of things. Let's just go. There's a couple of things about this story. First of all, you need to understand, Paul feared the people more than the Lord. He, he wanted to reward the people. He wanted whatever the people, the people saw all those nice lambs and sheep and all the, all the good stuff and the cows and, the, you know, they say, hey, 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 we defeated them. We want the spoils. We want that. And so, so he feared the people. Anytime you fear people more than God, you're going to get in trouble. Now, I know you're all saying, oh, I would never do that. But, yeah, I ask you to testify and you say, I'm too afraid. Afraid of what? I'd be more afraid of the Lord. If he tells you to do it, you better do it. Well, 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 Pastor, I would do that, but I don't know. That's a scary thing. Yeah, it's scary, but God told you to do it. Oh, come on. Thank you, Julie. Come on now. But number two, you, you need to understand there's always a sheep bleeding somewhere. Your sins will find you out. <laughs> when there's sin in your life, how many know it comes back to haunt you? It'll, it'll surface somehow. Someone will find out. And besides that, God already knows. And the third thing, and, and, and it goes on a little bit farther, but it says, um, uh, but it says obedience is better than sacrifice. You know the verse. He said obedience is better than. It's better to obey the Lord than do all the good stuff you think will get you to heaven. Obedience is better than going to church. Obedience is better than putting money in the offering. Obedience is better than doing stuff, than sacrificing, than giving things up. Because sacrificing is not going to get you where you need to be in God. Only obedience will get you there. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. My God. So, So here's the thing. God took the kingdom from Saul. But Saul was still king. And he was for several years after that. Let me say that again. God took the kingdom. He said, I'm taking, you know, it's it's like officially you're not king, but yet he was king. He took the kingdom, 
But he still had the, he was still the king. And, and the point is sometimes we have to live in two realms. Some things are done, but they keep manifesting. God said, you're healed, but you're still feeling sick. God said, I'm going to bless you financially, but your banker's still knocking at the door. Come on, church. God said, I'm going to save your loved ones, your sons, your daughters. They're still not saved. See? He said, Saul, you're not king anymore. David is. But David, even though God said and anointed him king, he was not yet king. So sometimes we have to live in the in-between. The already not yet. <laughs> Amen. You know, God said, yeah, but I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. I don't know what's going on. How many of you have ever lived there? Where God gave you the promise, but you're not seeing the promise yet. God said, I'm taking the kingdom away, but he hasn't quite done it yet. You're the king, but you're living in a cave. Right? You're the king, but you're living in a cave. Sometimes our past is still on the throne. Even though God said, I booted him off. Sometimes our past is still on the throne. But I have a word for you. What is appointed is coming. What's been appointed is coming. What's been anointed is coming. You may have to live in the in-between, but it's coming sure as God said it. It is coming. Oh, somebody praise the Lord. Sure as God said it, it's coming. It hasn't it hasn't manifested yet. You haven't seen it yet. And your past is still sitting on the throne. But here's my word to you this morning. Fill your horn with oil. Because God's about to anoint something powerful in your life. But here's a little word of warning. I said, fill your horn. He told Samuel to fill the horn. What does that mean? That means there's no room for anything else. Some of you aren't getting the promise because your horn's not full. Well, I got to leave a little room for this, and I got to leave a little room. No, 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 no. There can't be, you know, if you want what God has for you, you've got to want everything he has for you, the good, the bad, even the ugly. You've got to be able to say, God, I'm in this 110%. It's all you. All you fill your horn. No room for anything else. That's what the anointing does. The oil fills all the empty spaces. The anointing covers everything. Amen. And as long as everything's covered and everything's full, then God's able to do what God wants to do. Can I get an amen? Look at Isaiah chapter 10. Let's talk about the anointing for just a minute. It said, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder, his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. The yoke will be destroyed because, what is this? The yoke, you know what a yoke is, obviously. But he said, the yoke will be destroyed. And they said, what's going on there is when you put a yoke, it's fitted tightly around the neck. But after, after a few years of working, the muscles in the neck become larger. 
And eventually at some point, it can actually break the yoke. They outgrow the yoke because of their obedience in the field. That's what it's talking about, but the anointing breaks the yoke. There just comes a time that whatever is holding you back breaks. Whatever, whatever is restraining you breaks because of the anointing of God in your life. It, 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 it creates muscles in you that destroy the works of the enemy in your life. Wow, praise God for that. Isaiah 61, familiar verse, you, you know this. It shall come to pass in the, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has what? Why is the Spirit on you? Because you're anointed. Sometimes we get that backwards. The anointing comes first. You see, if the Spirit came on you and you weren't anointing, it would probably burn you up. Remember, remember the tabernacle when he got all the furniture made and all the furniture placed where it was supposed to be placed. What happened before the Spirit fell? They anointed everything. They covered everything in oil so that when the power of God came, it was that. That's what anointing really does. It's not goosebumps. I mean, you feel the anointing. Hello. You feel the presence is something you sense, but the anointing is something you feel. That's because it's like something being poured over you. Amen. But the purpose of the anointing is to cover you in preparation for the presence. Oh, my God, that's rich. That's worth the price of admission right there. It's kind of like motor oil. Right? Come on, man. At least the men could. What happens when you don't put oil in the engine? There's nothing wrong with the engine. It's got all the right parts. It's, all, it's connected properly. Listen, you could do everything the right way but still get burned up. You can do church just the way the church down the street does it. Some church has revival. Well, we'll just do what they did. No, you can rebuild the engine, but if you don't put oil in the engine, It'll run for a minute or two, amen, but eventually it burns up. You've got to have the anointing of God in every service, on every song, on every message, on every activity. Ah, oh, we need the anointing of God. Psalms 45 and 7 talks about the anointing of God. Let's just jump ahead to that. You are passionate for righteousness and you hate lawlessness. This is why God, your God, crowns you with bliss above your fellow kings. He has what? Anointed you more than any other with his oil of the oil of gladness. The oil of gladness. The very, listen, the very fragrance of heaven's. When you get heaven, when you get the joy of the Lord, you're feeling what they're feeling in heaven. That's the difference between joy in the Holy Ghost and the joy of a roller coaster at Cedar Point. Somebody said, that's not joy, that's terror. 
<laughs> Whichever you, wherever you get your joy, it's nothing like heaven's joy. Because the joy you get from heaven, you experience that in the trials, in the storms, in the tornadoes of life. Amen. You can experience the sweet joy of the Spirit in the darkest moments of your life. How many know what I'm talking about? It's true. The horn. I don't know if you remember this, but how many times does a saying in the Scriptures that somebody came up and got a hold of the horns of the altar? Why were there four horns on the four corners? Why are there horns on the altar? Because that's where they tied the sacrifice to. They wanted to make sure the sacrifice didn't slip off. See, that's the problem today. It says, it says in Romans that we are living sacrifices. The problem with living sacrifices, they really know how to get off the altar. As soon as it gets a little hot, I'm out of here. Right? As soon as it gets a little tough, I'm out of here. Because God promised me a life of ease. So as soon as it gets a little hot in the fire, we want to get off. But you need to stay on. The fire's good for you. Glory to God. The fire will burn out everything that needs to be burned out. The fire will take care of your problems. Oh, it's, it's, it's not a pleasant experience, but it'll get you through, amen. We need to get on the altar and hang on to the horns of the altar and say, God, I'm here till I make it through. Get a hold of the horn. The horn represents strength. Hang on to the strength of the Lord. God, hallelujah. Now watch this. Here's the problem. Here's, here's, I think this is why, what happened. Why. When Saul was anointed, the Bible said God, Samuel anointed him with a vial, a box, a man-made thing. He took a vial and poured it on his head. He poured the oil from a but when he anointed David, he said he got it from a horn. Something had to die for David's anointing. I believe a lot of people are getting fake anointings. They're, they're not real because no one paid a price for them. Some man anointed you. Somebody else put them in a position. Somebody else called them to preach. Uh, something else, they called themselves to preach. They, they, somebody poured oil over them, but no, no one paid a price. I tell you, when you get a real anointing, a price will have to be paid. Jesus paid the price for your anointing. Get the anointing from the Lord. And by the way, you need to get up on the cross too. How many know you will pay a price for the anointing? Oh, now you're going to get quiet on me. Fill your horn with oil. Wow. Wow. And you know this thing about David? David wasn't looking for the anointing when he got it. He didn't expect the anointing. He never dreamed that he would be king someday. He's, he's at the bottom of the family. He's a low man on the totem pole. He's the eighth son, which means worthless. 
In fact, we don't think Jesse even liked him. Jewish tradition even thinks that Jesse suspects he was illegitimate. He wondered. He was counting the days, nine months. And he, it wasn't true, but he suspected maybe that, that day. And, and David's out in the field taking care of the sheep because that's the worst job on the plantation. He never thought he would inherit anything. Much less become, much less inherit the, an entire kingdom. Wow. The anointing found him. He didn't look for it. Listen, David kept his horn full while he was in the desert. He took care of the lion, he took care of the bear. But men, listen to me, Father's Day, listen to me. It, was a, it took a battle. It took a battle to finally activate his anointing. Don't despise your battles. Don't hate your enemies. It took a Goliath to put David on the throne. It took a battle to put David in the palace. Come on, church. Don't despise your battles because your battles are gateways to greatness. Your battles are opportunities for God to shine in your life and for you to come forth shining and, and more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Listen, your battle will define you. Come on, man. Your battle will define you. It'll define who you are. It'll show you what your limitations are. It'll show you where you've got to quit and God takes over. I like this because David went to battle. All he had was what he had, right? He tried to try it on Saul's armor. He said, this ain't going to fit. You know, he looked like, like a scarecrow. And, 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 and none of the, So he went to battle with what he had. But what he needed, Goliath had. Oh, you'll get that about three this afternoon after you get up from your nap. I said he went to battle with what he had, which was enough to take him down. But what he needed to kill him, his enemy had. You might not want to, you might want to stop avoiding your enemy and just go on and face it. You might want to just face that thing that's plaguing you and bothering you. Come on, man. Come on, man. We don't talk about it, but you know what I'm talking about. Whatever it is in your life that, 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 that plagues you, maybe it's time we face it head on. You say, well, I can't. I don't have the ability. I don't know how to do it. You just bring what you have, and once you get to the battle, you might find that your enemy has what you need to finish the job. Preacher, what are you preaching about? That stone hit him, but it wasn't the stone that killed him. The stone just knocked him out. And little, it's almost like a Sunday school picture, but I see little David walking on his chest. <laughs> Maybe that's Sunday school. I don't know. Of course, I never went to Sunday school. I went to church every day being raised the way I was raised. But he, I, I can just see him standing on his chest, and he looks down, and he sees his sword. 
I'm sorry, two hands. Finished him off with his own sword. Your battle itself might have what you need to win the victory. Until you go to the battle, you can't finish the war. So go on to the battle as insufficient. Am I talking to anybody? Just go on to the battle feeling insufficient as you are, just knowing that maybe your maybe the battle itself has what you need to defeat your enemy. There's a lot of meat in this message. You, you okay? You okay? You okay? Praise God. David was anointed, but it was years, several years before he took the throne. You know the story. Saul tries to kill him. He's jealous. I want to give you a word. Listen, his his family had to leave their home. He and his family and his mighty men, they all had to live in caves for years. They ran from place to place. Long story, many chapters. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Even while he was broken, he was blessed. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Even though he was, he was broken, even though he was he's supposed to be on the throne, and instead he's like in prison. Hello, Joseph. <laughs> but all the time he was broken, God was blessing Listen, he'll take care of you even in your brokenness. He will minister to you in your worst hour. When you've lost everything. Remember when they lost their wives, their children, their homes, their land. They lost everything. Remember that battle? They lost everything. But yet God was there. And they got it all back and then some. I'm here to tell you in your darkest, most horrible moments, He's still there to bless you. He was blessed even while broken. Listen, men, you need to stop trying to control everything in your life. It's just our nature, right, guys, to fix things, right? We just feel called to, we're trying to fix our wives, let me know how that goes. Most of the time, she don't want to be fixed. She just wants to be hugged. We want to fix everything, and we're so frustrated when we can't, and we, we're, we're always trying to set things up and trying to fix things. Oh, Jesus, help us. But even when David was in the wilderness running for his life, God was in control. His anointing stood. Keep your horn full. Keep your horn full of oil. Hey, I want you to, I want you to hear me. Not only was God, let me come down. Not, not only was God in charge at that moment in David's life, but God was in charge, as we know, all the way back to his great-grandmother. 
He was in charge when Naomi and Ruth came out of, came out of Moab. He was in charge when, when Ruth was gleaning in the field with no hope of a future. God was in charge. When Boaz married her, he was in charge. He knew David would be in the desert someday, but he knew that long before David was even born. Listen, God's been in charge of your life for a long time. He's been setting you up for victory back in your great, great, great grandmother. I've, I've, of course, I, I love genealogies. And I look back through my family on my dad's side that came from uh, that uh, Alsace-Lorraine between Germany and France. And I, I know what, what port they came into. And they settled first on the western side of Ohio for a few years. And I thought about that. What trails were there from? My family probably went right by this church. In the 1850s, probably went right by our church because <laughs> that was the trail. And, and they went on to the western part, stayed there for a few years. Then they moved west to the Mississippi, got on a boat. One of my ancestors, one of my great, 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 great aunts <laughs> was actually born on the boat, headed to Minnesota. And they got to Minnesota and settled there and I was born. Whew. Not that I'm all that, but God's been in charge. I said, God's been in charge. It, if, their, if their wagon came by, I believe Jesus just smiled and said, hey, one of these days. I said, one of these days. Their great-great-grandson's going to be, he's going to build a building up there and pastor a church. They didn't know it then, but God was in charge then. And God's in charge now. Fill your horn with oil and let's do a work for God. Stand to your feet and give him praise. Come on. He's faithful in every way. Faithful in every way. Listen, man. Listen, man. You know why God loved David? God loved David. Not because he was perfect. How many know he was a scoundrel? <laughs> if David was your pastor, you'd fire him. Yes, you would. The elders would have a meeting and he'd be gone. He was a man after God's heart. And a lot of people over the years have said, his heart looks nothing like God's. That's not what it means. Well, it means he was after. He didn't have a perfect heart. Committed adultery. Murder. He lied. But I'm here to tell you, through it all, through it all, Will, I'm after his heart. I mess up. I do things I ought not. I'm not confessing. But I'm here to tell you, Brian, he was a man after. 
I'm after the heart. Come on, guys. Even in your brokenness, even in your failure, even in rough times, bad times, hard times, dark times, keep after his heart. Keep after his heart. 